Welcome to Vets to PM's Military Transition Academy podcast, the show where we discuss how to succeed in transitioning from the military service to the civilian workforce. This show and the academy it represents helps veterans transition into meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. Your primary host is Eric Doc Wright, PhD, certified manager, military veteran, serial founder, best-selling business author, philosopher, linguist, and coach. Your other host is Jeremy Burdick, project management professional, scrum master, product owner, and retired Air Force chief, and the current COO of Vesta PM and the Professional Development Unit University, where we will interview veterans successful in corporate America and business to bring you nuggets of wisdom every episode to make you more successful. Next, let's introduce today's guest. I'm excited to introduce a couple of special guests and from the 176 Wing Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson, Alaska, and it's the Commander Brigadier General Anthony D. Stratton and his Command Chief Master Sergeant Peter J. Pratt. A little bit about General Stratton is born in 68 in Missoula, Montana, but he's lived in Alaska communities of Barrow Fairbanks and Anchorage and currently resides in Palmer with his wife, Lorena, and two daughters, Sabrina and Katrina. He graduated from his service high school in 86 and enlisted in Alaska Air National Guard in February of 88 as a Hercules Propulsion System Specialist. General Stratton received his commission from the Academy of Military Science in October of 1990 and a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Alaska Anchorage in December of 93. He is a command pilot of both the C-130 and the C-17 and served in a multitude of operational and support positions within the Alaska National Guard. Over to Chief Master Sergeant Pratt, and in this case, he is the Command Chief Master Sergeant of the 176th Wing, where he is the enlisted leader for 1,200 plus personnel and a key member of the wing leadership team. He's a commander's key enlisted advocate and advisor on operational effectiveness, readiness, training, health, morale, welfare, quality of life, and equipping enlisted airmen. So lots of great stuff. A little bit about Chief Pratt. Um, entered the Air Force in 85, completed basic training, uh, qualified as a heavy mobile equipment apprentice with orders to McDill Air Force Base down in Florida. Nice and warm down there. His extensive background included several active duty positions with numerous transportation and logistics assignments around the globe until 1996 when he transferred to the Alaska Air National Guard, Coolis Air National Guard Base, Alaska, as a vehicle management professional. Chief Pratt has served in the Air Force, U.S. Air Force's uh, Europe, Air Force Reserves, Alaska Command, National Guard. Uh, he's deployed multiple times and has got a wealth of experience. And I just can't wait to get to the conversation. We're going to get to know these guys a lot better and they're going to feed us with some really inform you know informational stuff how you can play to up in alaska so let's get after it hey what is going on mta podcast nation uh eric doc right from vets to pm and the military transition academy podcast coming to you with another episode uh today man the batman and robin show uh, with Jeremy Burdick is going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, for those of you that know and love Jeremy, man, he's my retired Air Force chief, right? He's an amazing dude. He is a magician with process um, and podcast engineering <laughs> over the last several months. And uh, he is going to bring you an awesome conversation today. You're just going to love this thing. 
So without further ado, JB, how are you? And what do we have going on today, my friend? Doing great, doing great. I am so excited. I, I've just like been jittery all morning long thinking about this. Uh, we're with the Alaska Air National Guard 176 commander and General Stratton and his chief. So I really, I think it's going to be a treat. Um, and I really want to bring the conversation over to the general as quick as possible. So you're not just having to listen to me talk. Uh, we want to hear what he's got to say, especially about what makes the 176 so unique to the rest of the units out there. So thanks, Jeremy, for having Pete and I on today. We very much appreciate it. And uh, the 176 wing is exceptionally unique in the 90 wings that are in the Air National Guard. We are arguably the most operational wing. We answer to and provide combat capacity to the Alaska NORAD region 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year with uh, HH-60 helicopters, HC-130J, a combat King 2 rescue platform, and then of course the guardian angels with the combat rescue officers and the pararescue men. And the other thing that makes us very unique is we're very flexible on how our members actually come up and, and serve. We have a multitude of options from uh, quarterly drill periods. So a lot of the wings, you know, they set a day during the month, a weekend, and that's it. You either show up on that weekend or, you know, you don't get credit for the drill. Um, that is not the case with us. We have an A-scheduled drill, which is traditional. Uh, we do only drill 10 months out of the year. We typically take uh, the month of July and the month of September and co combine those into two other months. And that allows folks that actually live and work here to experience uh, Alaska, the reason they moved up here, right? As that picture was I showed you earlier today, you know, it's a very beautiful place this time of year. And as we go into the summer, uh, we'll push at least 22 hours of daylight and folks need to have the opportunity to get out and do that. And that flexibility extends to kind of the diversity of, uh, of the membership in the organization, um, especially from a vets to PM perspective. Uh, we provide opportunities for uh, veterans that haven't retired to continue their military careers. And you do not necessarily have to live in the state of Alaska to do that. So we have what we call um, non-commuters, which actually means commuters. And as uh, you are both aware, right, we live in a fairly succinct bureaucracy. And uh, that's why we have that kind of ideological statement, right, uh, non-commuter. But basically what that means is you don't have to live here. And that quarterly drill schedule allows somebody that lives in the Midwest, uh, or for example, uh, we have folks that live in Japan, Spain, and Germany, as well as uh, almost 20 members that live in Guam. And they come up about 44 days a year, split that over the quarter. So about 11 days per quarter, they come up, they get their training done, they interface, uh, they make sure that they're ready to go. And then when the unit has a deployment, they participate in that deployment as well. Uh, right now, the Guardian Angels are overseas in Africa, and later this fall, we'll be deploying the HC-130s, and, and they'll be headed uh, over to the Middle East as well. And so the other, the final piece of what makes us unique with all that operational capability, it's the opportunities, both uh, inside the organization and for those coming into the organization. So if you, for example, are uh, a 10-year veteran of any of the components, and uh, we are agnostic. We'll take you from the Navy, the Army, the Marine Corps. Uh, obviously, we're an air component, so we're very compatible with Air Force specialty codes. But 
but uh, you know, we don't shy anybody away. We have swimmers from the Coast Guard that have become pararescue men. We have helicopter mechanics that have come to us from the Navy. So if you've got a skill set and you want to join our organization, we're happy to add you to the membership here. And that's from the outside. When you're on the inside, you can do that job for two or three or four years. I, I flew C-130s with a gentleman that had six different Air Force specialty codes over about a 28-year career. So he was a surveyor. He was a loadmaster. He was a flight engineer. He was an air transportation specialist. So, you know, he, he'd kind of run the gamut, you know, about every three to five years, he was like, hey, what else can I do around here? Um, he was a traditional guardsman, affectionately known as a DSG or drill status guardsman. And, you know, he had the opportunity to experience all those, all the different Air Force training, get out there in the world, apply the skill sets. And in the private sector, he had uh, pretty much rested on that survey. So pretty much around the state, you know, whether he was out in the Aleutian chain or here in Anchorage, you know, that was what his private sector job was. So those are just some of the, some of the areas that make us unique. Uh, we are one of the largest wings in the Air National Guard. And uh, I think, as we pointed out before, very, very uh, complex in how we do business. Wow. I would say so. I mean, that is unique. The fact that you can take any component and you can work with them. They, uh, I actually flew with the 144th for a little while uh, when I was still in the service, got to come do your ASEV uh, years and years ago. It's been plenty of time since then to have uh, been well, well forgotten. But I can say one thing. Uh, it was one of the most beautiful places on the planet Earth that I ever got a chance to fly. Uh, it was one of the coolest guard units. Uh, not to at that time it was still on Coolis, uh, yeah. but it was one of the coolest guard units ever. Uh, the pilots all uh, were amazing. I was a flight engineer. The the engineers and the pilots and the O's all really got together really well, and just the unity within the entire wing was just top notch. So. I can't, I can't agree with you more general. I think that was, um, it was unique. It felt different. It, uh, it operated differently. It had so much talent, like probably the most talented airlifters that I ever had a chance to fly with and learn from even as the PACAF, uh, MAGCOM evaluator at the time. So I was learning things that I had never seen before. So it was, it was really a cool experience. So thank you for sharing the uniqueness. Um, what do you, what does a day in a life of a normal Arctic guardian look like? That's a great question, Jeremy. And I think that uh, you kind of put a little bit of light on uh, one of the differences, right? So a lot of folks are going to come from the active component, right? And that's where you spent the majority of, of your time. And although I would say the active component does a great job, uh, you know, when you move every two, four, six years, you do have kind of this, uh, network in the background, right? The folks that do the same thing you do. Here inside of the, the 176 wing with the Arctic Guardians, one of the biggest differences, and you felt it, is that we're knit together extremely deeply, right? So for example, I, I told you the Guardian Angels, right? They're deployed right now to Africa. And uh, Pete and I made a phone call the other day. We just kind of went down the list to the about 30 or 35 uh, spouses that are back here just to do kind of a midpoint check-in, you know, how are things going? And uh, that organization basically is, uh, you know, shoveling snow, fixing cars, uh, replacing water heaters, uh, because this is all the stuff that happens as soon as your spouse deploys, right? The 
basically the kids all get sick, the car doesn't start anymore, and you know the refrigerator and all the appliances decide that the warranty's run out and it's time for replacement. And okay. so, you know, the the day in the life of, of an Arctic Guardian is really to to be that wingman, to to be the friend, um, and we are networked together, right? All the way from the Matanuska Valley, all the way down to the Kenai Peninsula. I mean, we have folks up in Fairbanks. Um, and we have folks as far south as Juneau as well. And so, you know, for example, I'll give you kind of more of a mission scenario. So in our logistics readiness squadron, uh, we have the loggies in there. Their primary responsibility is just to keep track of everybody. Where are we at? Where are we going? So, for example, when Lieutenant Thiel comes to work yesterday, she's looking for a deployment order for those HC-130s because she needs to get uh, these folks into the system so they can start receiving their benefits through TRICARE, right? And that they're recognized and their families can get into the dependent system and become recognized, get the right ID cards. Um, as we move to her over to the maintainers, they're making sure that there's an HC-130 and an HG-60 helicopter on alert. So that when the, uh, if the F-22s have to launch out of their uh, combat facility, that they know that if they have a bad day, those guys are going to be able to launch and come after them. Um, Pete and I just had a lunch with some of our younger airmen over the weekend. We had the, we actually, had, no kidding, had an Airman Basic, which is an E1, right? We had an E1, and we, we got to talk to them about what they're doing in the organization. So, for example, down in our force support squadron, you know, a lot of folks don't focus on you know, the personnelist, right? They're interested in, well, what's the pilot doing? And is the guardian angel jumping out of the airplane? And what kind of airdrop are you doing? Are you going to do air refueling today? Uh, but the bottom line is down in that force support squadron, if uh, they're processing promotions, and believe you me, that's a very important thing to most of the Arctic guardians in our organization, right? You know, how, where's their career going to go? What kind of responsibilities are they going to have access to? And so the folks down there do a, really a critical job in making sure that everybody knows what their benefits are going to be. And that takes stress away from the airmen so that they can focus on their job. Um, again, financial management, right? We don't really think of the comptroller as being like the critical cog in the mission wheel. Um, but I can guarantee you, as Pete could definitely testify to, you don't pay folks, get pretty anxious pretty quick, right? Um, so those folks down there, and they're also taking care of travel, you know, with all the operational engagements that we have, uh, we have folks that are doing the defense travel system every day, right? And those folks down in FM are making sure, hey, we're playing by the rules and those government travel cards are getting paid off on time. And then, and then we'll go from there to the services folks, right? So uh, it's all sexy. The airplanes are cool. Uh, but when you land, what's the most important thing? Where am I going to sleep? Who's going to feed me? And is there a place for me to go to the bathroom, right? So our services folks set that up, right? They're very expeditionary in nature. And they take care of making sure, hey, how many beds are there? How many folks do we have to move around? Um, simple things like, do we have sheets? Do we have pillows? Um, uh, or is everybody going to be in a sleeping bag? And if they're going to be in a sleeping bag, do they know they're going to be in a sleeping bag? And did they bring the sleeping bag with them? And do I have extras just in case? Because you are going to have that one that no matter how many times they've been told or they've gotten a notification or they even signed a document, they're going to go, what? Nobody told me I needed my sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course we come all the way first circle around to operations, right? So today, you know, we were just talking with the uh, Ken Radford, our vice wing commander. He's going to go out and fly on this beautiful day. 
Uh, so we'll generate anywhere from eight to 14 sorties between the C-17, the HC-130, and the HH-60 today. And potentially the helicopters will go up, they'll do two ship work, um, they'll shoot. You know, we've got a gunnery range right here, uh, just outside of Anchorage, um, up at the detachment. They're working on the helicopter up there today, and uh, it has a bad um, aircraft power unit. They're going to replace that, and then it's going to provide support for the F-35s to go up to the northern ranges. Uh, the fifth generation fighters need a lot of space to do their training and to create a world, real world scenario. And so that's the, that they get far away from the base. And if they have a bad day and it's 40 below zero, you know, we need to make sure that the, that the pilots get extracted. We poured a lot of money into them. They're a huge asset and we need to be, be able to bring them back home. Not to mention that that is the core of our doctrine, right? Since World War II, our commitment to the airmen is that we will come get you in a reasonable period of time. So they don't have to be concerned or worried about uh, the mission set or the risk that they're taking. They know that the organizations behind them and that uh, we will make good on the promise that we've delivered to them. Yeah, we, we do appreciate that for sure. I would say uh, you made a really cool comment about the support, right? So um, you always hear rookies and amateurs worry about tactics, but professionals worry about logistics, you know? So whether it's the support, whether it's the paycheck, um, you know, whether it's the beds, the beans, the bullets, it's all, important and professionals know that without it, you don't have an army, you don't have an air force, uh, you don't have anything or any way to prosecute war. So, wow, really cool way to sum it up. I think that was really good. Um, our other host here was a guardsman as well. So I know that he's probably got some really cool nuggets to bring up as well. Yeah. And general, I mean, I just love the comment about, Hey, our mission is this, right? And, and you can tell just in this brief conversation that it just permeates the organization. Uh, and I can tell you from being on both sides of the fence, uh, you know, Navy and Guard, and then out here in the civilian world for several decades now, I started when I was three, um, that you, you just, you very rarely will work in a civilian organization where there's that kind of bond, that kind of tribe. Um, and we deal with thousands of veterans every year at Vets of PM, and that's what we hear is, hey, all the tactical, technical stuff that you said I would realize and get and the paycheck and all that stuff, it's great. But, but these folks are kind of alienated from each other. So um, that's one of the things we, we help our guys and gals with is, hey, you're going to have to find those people to connect with. You mentioned network. You're going to have to rebuild that or be okay with not having it. And so, you know, it just helps them keep their eyes wide open. So it's nice to hear that, you know, your guardsmen and women can get access to that when they're in uniform. And then when they go back to their, uh, you know, civilian jobs, they, it, it stays with them. So that's gotta be a huge benefit to your warriors. You bring up a good point, doc. I think that's one of the things we try to take from the organization and, and knit into the community, right? Cause that's the other big difference between you know, the National Guard, the Air National Guard as well, is that from the active components is, I mean, we live here. I mean, I've lived in Barrow, uh, you know, up on the North Slope. I, I lived in Fairbanks for a decade. I graduated from high school here in Anchorage, and, and I raised my daughters for 20 years, you know, out in the uh, Palmer Valley. And uh, Pete's the same way. I mean, he's been here for multiple decades. 
Um, and that's always our goal, right, is to continue to network into the community. I think, um, you know, our connection here to Vets to PM is, is uh, through Leverett uh, over at uh, Siemens, right? And uh, we have a great relationship. Uh, and he represents one of our honorary commanders. And that's, again, that's one of our community connection points where we reach out into the community. And a lot of them are veterans you know, like Lever is, but then we have several, we have an engineering uh, company and, uh, you know, he does, he, he's never been in the military, but man, it is great to have him come in and it's great to be able to go into his organization and, you know, kind of dispel myth about what we do. And, you know, it's really not this, um, you know, smoke and mirrors business, right? It's very straightforward and, and we're very open, you know, to have them come into our organization. I mean, the bottom line is they're the taxpayer, right? That's kind of been my my mantra uh, since I've been in this wing is you want to come and take a tour of the airplanes? Well, you're paying for them. So yeah, you bet you we'll coordinate that and get you out here. So I, I, I appreciate that, that link doc that you bring in. Our goal is to try to take some of that net network connectivity and, uh, and you know, how we basically build a big family and help the, uh, the external private sector and community have that in their organizations as well. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. Hoove is, uh, is amazing and really had a great uh, session with us. So if you haven't listened to that one for everybody out in uh, podcast land, go back and listen to that episode where he breaks down Siemens and hiring thought processes and all the things we need to know as civilians getting jobs on the outside and how to interview and uh, everything. So the different opportunities, but speaking of opportunities, you know, there's gotta be some air force specialties that are, more desirable, or you have immediate fill needs with a wing of your size. Anything come to mind with some openings? Absolutely, Jeremy, right? So um, our maintenance organization, uh, aviation maintenance specifically, because we do have vehicle maintenance. That's that's kind of a peach genetic code, right? As a vehicle maintainer, but inside our aviation maintenance, we got, uh, it's nearly a hundred different air force specialty codes, right? When you're talking about avionics, you're talking about I first came into the organization um, all the way to uh, structures and forms and um, everything that goes along with the airplane. So that's probably the area we have the most vacancies. Um, I will say this though, and that one, that one directly correlates, right? Cause one of the other, questions typically and and i was there too and i know pete was as well like when you're looking at the organization you're kind of like okay uh, what is this going to do for me outside right like for example you know we have munitions here uh so we do uh chaff and flares on the airplanes as well the h60s have uh, uh mini guns and uh, gal 50s and 50 calibers right and and that is a relatively narrow specific skill set um, and I would say it's a little bit more challenging um, on uh, in the private sector. Although, if you're uh, very qualified, you're very highly sought after, right? But we have a lot of other ones that are far more general. Like we talked about aviation maintenance, so aircraft and power plant mechanics. Um, I mean, that's what you that's what you got to have to work at Delta um, or you data Alaska. So so those are directly correlatable right into you know a civilian trade or a private sector trade and and one of the airmen that we had that's what he does on the on the outside he, he actually did it the other direction you know he graduated from high school he went out into the, the civilian community got his uh, amp license 
And then a couple of the guys he was working with said, man, you should come into the guard. And so he went the other way. He came into the guard um, and it was great. I mean, he was talking to us about how, you know, he really enjoyed tech school because he was just building on skill sets that he had. Um, I can tell you when I went to tech school as a, a propulsion system mechanic, I was working my tail off, man. This was stuff I'd never been exposed to, right? So, and that's one of the areas. We had a, another young lady. She's been in our medical group for about three years. And as she said, hey, I want to try something different. So in a month and a half, she's going to go off to radiology technician school. Well, at the end of that school, it's not mandatory, but they have the option to interface um, and get uh, federally certified to do radiology technician work all over the country, right? Um, definitely a very lucrative opportunity, you know, for those folks. And, you know, it's all paid for, as, as you both know. You know, it's military training. Not only is the training paid for, but we're going to pay you while you're getting the training, right? Which is a pretty awesome deal. Um, I think it's fairly easy to say that there's a one-for-one -one correlation for the pilots, right? I mean, in our organization alone, uh, we probably have at least 20 Alaska Airlines pilots. Uh, then we have a pretty dense pilot population at, at UPS and Federal Express. We've got a couple Deltas. And then I think we might have like one United and three or four Atlas, right? Uh, so that's airline transport pilot, as well as um, uh, different type ratings that you can get depending on which one of the airframes that uh, you're flying as well. And then I think one of the things that folks might lose track of is, so we talked about those support organizations that we have. So security forces is one, and then the other one is civil engineering. And those folks do a lot of work. You know, they respond to the state when the state is having a bad day. In 2019, we had just a, um, an incredible fire season. And so those folks were, we had firefighters out doing wildland fire that were working with the state uh, and working with the hot shots. And then uh, we also had just general volunteers, right, doing traffic management. But in our civil engineering organization who contributes to firefighters in this respect, um, they have all the construction trades, right? You're talking about electricians, plumbers, framers, um, any of those things, well, at the end of their schools, those all come with the opportunity to, you know, get certified and uh, get that certification that then puts you in a place that you can move all over the country or even internationally. And so I think those are our big uh, gap right now is definitely in the um, aviation maintenance section. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that uh, we have vacancies throughout our wing. I think we still have about 225 total vacancies out of the 1,600 positions that we have. So, so there's plenty of opportunities. Wow, wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah, 220 plus, and I'm sure it's always revolving and and adding more and and uniqueness too. And for those civil engineers, if they ever need to level up, right? We know a good project management uh, training shop. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jeremy, just to piggyback off that point you made, I mean, the, the general said several things that it's just because we do this for a living, the dots connected instantly inside my head, right? So he mentioned, hey, we have these open positions, you get this experience. Uh, he mentioned smoke and mirrors behind the scenes, right? The taxpayer may or may not see mission every day on the ground. Um, but the reality is, and then he mentioned certifications, and he mentioned munitions. The reality is, we just got a Navy uh, Mustang, an officer coming off, uh, enlisted officer coming out of EOD schoolhouse. So he was never going to do anything like that again, especially in the civilian workforce. And we placed him in a DOD school bridge residency and we trained him how to get a couple certifications. And he literally certified all of that 
you know, to the civilians, uh, uh, obtuse experience. He talked about it in civilian management, running shops, running schoolhouses, the general management. And then he talked about missions and deployments, the specific, you know, project management, the HR management, these stuff. And then he got a couple certifications and he just got six digits with a huge signing bonus. And so that's really the trick is for us when the guys and gals are done in the uniform, we teach them how to translate that general and specialized experience into experience the civilians need. And then we literally certify it with training credentials. Uh, and like you said, sir, it just, the, when those things line up, the opportunities that that creates, plus all the intangibles that veterans bring to the fight in the civilian workforce. I mean, the civilians don't have a word for force multiplier, but they know we're different. They, they know they can hire one of us and get nine people's worth of production out of it. So you line that up, experience they can digest, certifications, plus the intangibles, I, I, what, a, what a beautiful combination of ingredients to, to help you, you know, have an entirely successful second career if you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with you there, Doc. I think when uh, Pete and I spend time with the Rotary Clubs, right? So this is, uh, you know, multiple businesses right here in the Anchorage Bowl. Uh, the, the point that I talk to them about the most, and, and I realize that right now, you know, it is definitely an employee market, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of folks that need a lot of help. Um, but the one thing that, and this is the military in general, right? It's not necessarily specific to the Air National Guard, but we provide structure and we provide a culture that helps to grow people in the areas of dependability and responsibility. And, and so the, the synergy that we have with the Air National Guard is I don't need their employee every single day. I need them a couple of times a month. I need them to deploy, you know, one time in two or three or four years. Um, and then the rest of the time, you know, they're going to be productive, reliable, and dependable uh, inside of their organization. Um, when I've talked to these groups before, it always does surprise me a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm a fairly positive person when they bring up the fact that, well, yeah, um, you know, Joe only comes to work three days a week. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a pretty flexible schedule. And they're like, yeah, no, Tony, it's not a flexible schedule. Joe just only comes to work three days a week. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, our folks will come to work on the days you schedule them because that's our culture, right? Just like you both experienced. I mean, uh, you know, we know that when we don't show up, somebody else is having to pick up our load. And, you know, that, that kind of interconnectivity is what leads to the, the level of responsibility and de dependability. And it's the culture, right? It's that military culture all the way around. When you've deployed to an austere environment and there is nobody else to pick up your workload. So if it's not, you're not doing it, it's not getting done. And the rest of your team is going to experience that deficiency, right? And so I think, I think Doc, you're, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head there when it comes to that, being able to just illustrate um, the structure and I think really the character that, that a member of the, of the U.S. Armed Forces kind of gets blued with, right, or in, inculcated with as they go through the process of being inside of the military. Oh, I, yeah. Wow. Good. For sure. You, as those values turn into your character, right? I mean, that's what ends up happening. So uh, couldn't agree more. There is something that you've said, and I was picking through your bio just a little bit as well, 
And I couldn't help but see you were a knuckle buster like myself. I started out on C-130 engine specialist. Um, and then you went from engine specialist to a navigator and said, hey, that's not enough. I'm going to go be a pilot. And then now I'm just wondering, okay, what, what's next for the general? Like, are you, uh, are we going for presidency or what, what's going on next? Uh, well, as far as, as far as my military career is concerned, uh, there are definitely fewer years in front of me than there are behind me. And I know you both understand how that works. Uh, as does Pete, you know, we talk about this every day. Um, we do manage general officers in the Air National Guard. So there's potentially some opportunities to do that. Uh, but right now, uh, and I've, I told the airmen this and we had lunch with them, uh, this is the best job I have had in my military career. Uh, I get to spend time with the youngest airmen, with the most senior officers. Um, I get to fly in all three of the weapon systems that we have, uh, even the helicopter guys. Last summer, I went up to our detachment and um, not only did they, so this was, a, this was what I thought was a pretty cool day for, for Tony, right? So I went out there with them and I'm on the ground. There's four or five of us and they fly the helicopter up and uh, they drop the hook down. They winch me up into the helicopter. I get situated in there. The co-pilot gets out of the seat. I get in the seat and I fly the helicopter back to the Air Force Base, right? So um, that, that was a pretty sweet day uh, for Tony. And I've gotten to fly with the uh, HC-130 guys. I flew the Slick C-130 for almost 15 years. So uh, this one, of course, is all glass, all electronic. You know, it's, a, it's an electric jet. So um, we'll see what the Lord has in the future. Um, but uh, I think uh, I've got at least... Uh, potentially three more years in this job here. Uh, Pete and I potentially will finish up about the same time. Uh, the tenure that our command chiefs have is three years as well. And uh, he just came into the job about six months ago. Uh, he took over for Chief Schaefer's and that's been a great transition too. So although uh, just like both of you, right, I think there's plenty of opportunities uh, outside of the military. And, um, and I have a huge heart for uh, middle schoolers, you know, those, uh, 11 to 14 year olds it's a pretty challenging time in our lives and i jokingly say it seems when they take their brain and stick it in a locker and come back when they turn 16 and see if that brain is matured right so but i have a huge heart for them so i it would not be um not be surprising if i ended up in in youth ministry and in, in one of the churches that we attend that would be amazing wow well thanks for sharing i know that's a you know definitely some a personal journey uh, but I just was, I was kind of jazzed that we both shared some knuckle busting time on the same engines just about 10 years later for me. Uh, yeah. And Chief Pratt, man, thank, thanks so much for, for joining us. And I want to kind of give you the mic a little bit is, hey, what's your journey been like as a Arctic warrior? Well, thank you very much. So like, like so many of us, I started off active duty as well, right? So you know, which was a great time, did almost 11 years, traveled around the world during that. And, and I felt, you know, the connections that I made, um, I still stay in contact with some of the folks um, that I met active duty. Um, but once I learned about the after the, uh, the Air National Guard and realized, you know, there, there's something more here, right? There's, there's another connection There's something deeper than just the, the active duty component. And I joined this unit in 1997, and as that journey evolved and, and I learned and I've grown with the, with the Air National Guard, um, I think we alluded to it a little earlier, there's, there's definitely a family connection, right? So not that there's not a family connection with active duty, 
but it's so much deeper here in the guard. So with those connections, you make active duty people, PCS, you may lose contacts, but in the, in the Air National Guard, if you run into a, a, a struggle or you run into an issue, like when folks are uh, deployed, right? Um, that's the time that uh, cars break, home maintenance um, blows up, um, but there's always somebody here that you can reach out to, uh, which, is a, which is a lot easier and the connections are a lot deeper than, uh, than active duty just because of the, the difference in dynamics. So, um, but like I said earlier, I joined this, in, uh, this unit in 97. Uh, it's been a great opportunity uh, since day one. I joined as well as a DSG, um, and then I was fortunate enough to, uh, to transition over to a, uh, a dual status technician position. I've held as a Title V, a straight civilian position, and I'm currently in an AGR position. So um, we are definitely a, um, a complex organization, um, probably one of the uh, holistically, one of the, the most complex organizations that I would argue um, in our society. Multiple pay statuses, multiple statuses that a person can jump back and forth into. Um, it's been it's been a great opportunity, and like General Stratton um, alluded to, it's uh, this current position that I'm in. It, it's it's fabulous. Uh, I'm a people person, so I get the opportunity to not only interact with some of the most senior um, officers, senior enlisted folks, but then at the same time have those uh, those touch points with some of the um, the youngest. Um, and like uh, we said earlier, we just had lunch with an Airman Basic. Way back in the day, I was an Airman Basic as well. So um, it kind of brought things all back together. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Me too. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're in the sweet spot of service is right there at, at the wing in the operational commands after doing eight years at headquarters, you kind of like, you just kind of yearn to get back on the beat, you know, get back out there doing mission and taking care of folks. Right. And that's, I guess I derived a lot of my pleasure from serving alongside, but supporting and growing uh, the next echelon. So really cool. I don't want to um, cut this off before we get a chance to talk about how would a member like even myself go find some of these vacancies and then apply? Yeah. So, I mean, just like everything else, right? Google, Google knows all, right? If you put Alaska Air National Guard into Google, it'll pull up definite resources, but I'll throw out two definite ones. So phone number wise, and I know that this will date me that I would think that uh, we would actually pick a telephone up and call people. But if they wanted to make a phone call, it would be 907-644-8033. And that'll connect them directly with an Alaska Air National Guard recruiter uh, that they'll be able to get information from, benefits, um, GI Bill, college tuition. Uh, we just did implement. It was an interesting thing to me. Um, but traditional guardsmen in the Air National Guard were the only members of the military that did not have access to tuition assistance. That has been rectified as of two years ago. So they can talk to them about that as well. Duration, you know, uh, four years, six years, those are the typical uh, first terms that they can sign up for. And then more traditionally, and probably how most of our folks would do it, um, they can send an email to 176.wing, W-I-N-G, dot recruiters at us dot af dot mil and if they send one to them and say hey what's up you know um they'll uh, definitely provide them with that and then uh, what's probably more familiar to you know the 
the Gen Zs and the millennials is uh, we have a wing app. So if you go out on either one of your platforms for iOS or Android and you put 176 wing, it'll pull up. There's no restrictions on it. Anybody can download it. Uh, and in there, there's a button that says, join us. And if you hit that button, it'll connect you to the recruiters. It'll ask you for some of your information. Um, and, it, and you can go that way as well. And then also in Google, uh, when they Google the last Air National Guard, or how do I join? So the air component, the Air Force, the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard have all gone to a single recruiting system. And so that single recruiting system. Uh, <coughs> oh, you, you, you muted. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Uh, so there's a, the, the three air components have also gone to one system. So the, the Air National Guard, the Air Force Reserve and the Active Duty Air Force all use a single system now. And, and in those Google results, I can guarantee you one of them will be that system uh, where they put all their information into it. And then the system will feed it back. And uh, it would, that would go straight to our recruiters as well. Um, they get uh, what they call leads uh, through that system every single day. So those are probably the three biggest ways, you know, throw it into Google, see, see what pops up. I know the connectivity there is good. Uh, the phone call is also an option, the email, and then of course the wing app and on the wing app too, you know, if they download that onto their phone, uh, there's all kinds of other buttons on there, right? Like we have a wing adventures program, right? So members of the wing have the capacity to fly in the C-17 sim with me. They can do a tandem jump with the guardian angels. They can drive heavy equipment with the civil engineers. They can do the use of force trainer with the security forces. Um, and, uh, and, and they can also, um, be a survivor. So the guardian angels always do these, uh, rehearsal of concept. And so they need survivors to do that with. And, and we actually had one of the airmen and he was like, oh yeah, it was so fun, man. I went out there and they, they, you know, made me all bloody and, and, uh, you know, then they put me in the litter and, and they're doing it from a combat extraction point. Right. So it's, you know, they've got uh, their weapons out, you know, they're shooting blanks, they're making sure that the survivor is safe. And, you know, then in some cases, they're actually getting hoisted up into the helicopter, right? So, um, but anyway, it, it that's one example of what's on there is multiple buttons, our calendar is on there. Uh, you know, our, our news, we've got a hero video. So if they really want to take a look and see, you know, what is an Arctic Guardian? What do we do in the 176th wing? Uh, you know, they download that app. They're going to have access to a whole bunch of information as well as the join us button. And, uh, you know, what do you need to do? Or, and then that join us, right. It'll transition as well. So, you know, any of the veterans that, that haven't actually completed their military career who are interested in, in going ahead and just finishing off that, that six, eight, 10, 12 years, whatever they've got left, um, the recruiters will be able to, uh, make that transition happen for them as well. Oh, that's cool. That's really neat. And in fact, it's, it's exciting. Like you said, with the uh, survivor, I got to play that before and it is, uh, you know, it is interesting to say the least. I didn't get lifted in a litter that time, but that would be a wild ride <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I did it once for survival, but that was it. Um, so something I do want to make really available to your wing as well as kind of a special treat is doc wrote a book, how to speak civilian fluently. And what it does is it just kind of is like a little mini MBA in your pocket and we'll make it free to the wing. Um, and you can put it on your commander's reading list if you'd like. And essentially all it is, is a book that goes through business, right? 
the language of management, profit and loss. And I'll let Doc talk a little bit about the book because I don't want to steal all his thunder, but it's a beautifully written book um, that is no cost to your members um, across your wing. Okay. And, and the guy who wrote the preface, sir, he's, he's an amazing uh, guy. So um, that was Jeremy. So um, yeah. yeah, it basically after, yeah. you know, seven or eight years of, of helping thousands of veterans secure meaningful, lucrative careers in the civilian workforce, uh, because we can speak both to both audiences on both sides of the fence um, and being at university helping student veterans, I just wrote down everything they needed to know. Regardless of what you do next out of uniform, the, the civilian's going to mention PL statement. They're going to mention just in time inventory control. They're going to mention um, policies and procedures in terms of HR, fair hiring, labor laws, and stuff. It, if, if you're the veteran, especially if you're going anything mid level management or above, and you don't know what those terms are, just like, you know, we go to basic and they teach us what a salute is, technical definition, how to execute it, when to execute it, who to execute it with. Somebody's got to teach us all those customs, norms, courtesies, or we don't know them. And you'll stick out if you don't. So that's really what the book was. So it's a number one bestseller on Amazon. It's the only book that preps people for the organizational management certification, but I make it free to veterans because I believe that if you can speak if you can speak about what you did, whether it was security forces or munitions or working on a jet uh, engine, if you can talk about what you did in terms of the value it brings to the business, you win all day long, especially when you throw in all the intangibles uh, that the veterans bring. And I mean, sir, you can absolutely hear it in your voice, hear it when chief talks. I mean, the commitment to excellence, uh, to the troops, to the, to the uniform. I mean, that's, that's pretty infectious stuff. And when, and that stands out in employers. When they're interviewing us, they, they get that sense. This person is not like the last 14 people I've interviewed. There's something special about them. And when you can talk to them in their own language, it's, it's a slam dunk. So right. I, I really appreciate the energy, the enthusiasm, and the service. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to chat with all of you, for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Doc. We appreciate access to that, that resource. Yeah. And they, it's pretty easy to grab. It's free. They just go to vetspm.com. And then when they still build a free account, we've got a couple free courses in there too. One will tell them about project management. One will have a download for this book and they can go get a certified manager from uh, ICPM. And that's kind of cool too. So a lot of free stuff out there, um, resume help, LinkedIn help, because a lot of your Arctic warriors have civilian jobs and it wouldn't be great if they were successful civilians and stuck around in your area, right? So uh, that it's kind of a dual, dual help kind of win-win situation. But, you know, uh, probably enough about that, but I'd love to uh, kind of end the show with whatever you want to talk about, General or Chief. The floor is yours. I'll do a little blurb and then I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to, uh, to Pete. And I think the one thing, uh, Pete alluded to it a little bit, in in when he was giving you kind of a, you know, how did he get to where he's at today? Um, inside of those opportunities that we have, and Pete talked about statuses, right? And it, that's an easy word for us because we live it every day. But if it was a, an active duty member coming into our organization, basically that just means uh, we have a lot of part-time or drill status guardsmen, right? And uh, I will tell you, the myth is that's the whole uh, one weekend a month, two weeks a year. Um, I'm not really sure why we continue to keep that in our advertising, although I guess that's the minimum. Um, there's 
virtually nobody in the 176 wing. There's not a single Arctic Guardian that does one weekend a month and two weeks a year, uh, especially with COVID. Um, the average member in our organization averages a year that they give to the organization or they give to the mission. Um, and then as Pete talked about, like today, I'm a civil service GS employee. Status technician that, that Pete was talking about. Pete today is an active garden reserve, which is an AGR, uh, which basically is just like an active component member, right? His ID card looks the same. His paycheck looks the same. The points to retirement looks the same. Um, and then we do, we have this kind of unicorn, um, which is a Title V employee, which means, um, you know, you come to work during the week here in the wing with, with all the rest of the Arctic Guardians, um, but you wear your civilian clothes, right? <laughs> and you may or may not be a member. We have several of our Title V employees, like uh, we have our Director of Psychological Health. Well, guess what? She's not in the military. She is a no kidding, straight civilian. Uh, we have a resource advisor in our maintenance group. Uh, when he comes to work, that's what he does. He's the resource advisor. Uh, we don't see him on the weekend when we do our, our drills in our, our UTAs. So, so I just wanted to bring that up because, again, that's part of that. Uh, it's kind of a continuum of service, and you can expand and contract. Um, like Pete has said, you know, he was a, a drill status guardsman. Then he was a dual status technician. Then he was a Title V. Uh, and now he's an AGR, right? And uh, and we have folks uh, in transition. They'll be uh, in some kind of uh, part time, then full time, and then go back to part time because they go out to back out to the private sector. Um, the average career span for a guardsman, for an Arctic guardian here in the Alaska Air National Guard, is about twenty five years. Um, I have thirty four years in this wing, and and then I think uh, Pete's career is getting closer to thirty seven, yes. right? So. Um, and we are not unique, uh, you know, I, you know, we're obviously higher than the average, but, um, but most of the time people are making that transition, uh, because it's a quality of life, right? Uh, we need to get our weekends back. Uh, you know, they may be having, uh, grandkids come into their life, um, making a transition in the private sector. You know, they may be movement Their Their civilian employment might take them out of the state of Alaska, all those kind of things. But I just wanted to give uh, the listener is just kind of an idea, right, of, of what that continual service can be, you know, just staying right here in the same unit. So, yeah, I'd like just like the uh, piggyback up what the boss said as far as like the, the timelines that both of us have and the majority of folks within the Air National Guard. Right. So if this was not an energetic, and a, 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 a healthy environment to work. Folks wouldn't stick around, right? So people come in, they join this unit, and you know they're here for the long haul years. Um, it, and it's a it's a wonderful wonderful environment to work at. And I'm not just saying that uh, to get up in the morning um, and interact with the folks that we do. Great relationships between. Um, us here on the guard component, as well as our active duty, uh, we are on an active duty installation. So the relationships that we have with the host base are phenomenal. Um, again, I, I would just have to say that I am, I'm truly blessed. Um, back in the, the 80s, when I first joined, I never would have imagined that I would have made it to, uh, to, to chief, not, only, not even to, uh, to the command chief. So um, it's just been a, a wonderful opportunity. I'd let, like folks to realize that if you work hard and, and you're dedicated, and, and you have goals that, um, you know, that the sky truly is, is the limit. 
Um, and this, the, this military that we live in today and that we're part of today, um, it's a great organization. Um, and I just uh, uh, truly feel that uh, once folks get exposed to it, um, depending on whatever status they want to be, whether it's a full-time or they want to be the traditional guardsman, uh, work in the private sector, come out and work with us on the weekends or work with us a couple of weeks during the year. Um, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Thank I'm going to have to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this uh, podcast. Is you listen to this, you may just be signing up, you know, <laughs> one of those things. So, but I really appreciate your guys' time. Uh, Doc, any parting words before we uh, release them for the day? I just want to say uh, what a what a great time and how appreciative we are that you'd all spend some time with us. I mean, General Stratton, uh, Chief Pratt, we just are so appreciative of you um, and what you do in your years in service. I mean, um, just uh, very encouraging and very, uh, very cool. But glad to be a veteran and glad to be a patriot knowing there's guys and gals like you in uniform. So thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And we're going to pray for your folks out in Africa, that they come back safe and their families are well taken care of as we know they are, as you said, they will be. Um, and if you get a chance, you know, to give these guys a ring at the 176th, I think uh, you couldn't go wrong. I mean, I've, I've been there boots on ground before, and I've got to be honest with you. It was one of the most magical places and units that I've ever seen. So thanks a lot for your time. And we really appreciate it. Thank you both, uh, Doc and Jeremy. We appreciate you guys reaching out. And uh, anytime we can tell the story of the wing and help everybody, uh, you know, get rid of those myths, we're happy to do it. That's perfect. All right. So we'll call that a wrap. We'll just kind of end it here. And uh, if, unless there's something else you guys want to add. I'm good. Yeah. No, I think we're, we're, good. we're good, Jeremy. Thank you guys both. Again, we really appreciate being able to do it and, um, you know, I, I say this regularly, right? Uh, whenever the recruiters telling me they're having a hard time recruiting, uh, my response to them is when I go to the grocery store, I'm out in public and people ask me, oh, hey, what do you do? And I tell them I'm part of the Alaska Air National Guard um, and they respond back to me. What's the International Guard? As soon as that doesn't happen, then I know that we're recruiting at 100 percent. There you go. Yep. That's funny. Thank you for tuning in and spending a bit of time with us at the Military Transition Academy powered by vets to pm If we piqued your interest, but you want more details, please head over to the website vets pmcom and see if we can help prepare you for a better tomorrow or a future meaningful and lucrative career.